people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today's guest is Kate Harvey. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Helen. It's lovely to be here. Talking with you is an extra special pleasure for me. And we are on the anniversary of 10 years of knowing each other. How cool is that? That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I love that. We met when you were working in a recruitment firm and I'd gone in there for an interview and the guy, it was one of your colleagues, it wasn't you who was doing the interviewing and he has a great sensibility for connecting people and he said, I reckon I should hook you up with my, my colleagues. I think you guys are going to get on like a house on fire. And of course, he was right. Bless oh, you, man. Marty, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, over that 10 years, you and I have kept in regular contact. And at one point, oh, and that's just supporting each other and whatever's been going on in our individual workscapes. And at one point, our workscapes combined because you were running your own business and I came and offered some of my expertise in doing that, which was a fun thing to do. And in one of my recent catch-ups, you said that something that I had said, and maybe almost even as a throwaway comment, had inspired a wave of new activity in your workscape, at which point I'm thinking, excellent podcast conversation. <laughs> exactly. So, Kate, please share with us, what was it that I said that inspired you and what was this new wave of activity? Well, first of all, Helen, your throwaway lines are fast and furious. So the fact that I actually grabbed onto this one obviously really spoke to me at the time. What you said was, you are now seeing your workscape and your career as a series of experiments. Ooh. And yes. And what I love about that was that it was it was actually at a perfect time in my life. So I had, as you discussed, I had owned my own business and it was successful and I enjoyed it. It was very stressful though. So I was always looking to be as successful as that, but actually get a bit of myself back and a bit of my life back. And unfortunately, what happened in the meantime was I went through a very messy divorce and breakup and pretty much lost my way in terms of my career and my life path. And it all just got exploded. Well, it imploded on itself, to be honest. And I was a little bit lost with things. And and me as a very much a project manager and someone who says things, I was fixing my life, Helen. Yes. And make a plan, know, execute the plan. Right. And so I'd make a plan and I'd be executing the plan. I'd be halfway through, not even halfway through executing this plan. And I'd be thinking, yeah, I'm actually the outcome anymore. And so I saw that as the project manager, complete a finisher in me. I saw that as a failure. And that kept on happening for about a year. I kept on thinking, right, I don't want that direction. I'm going to go in this direction instead. New plan, so new project. New plan, new project. You know, you know me, yeah. I have the outcome and then I plan back from that and I have my timescales, my milestones, my activities, yeah. my tasks. Got the resources all sorted. Right. Going to go for it. Went for it and it didn't work again. It was still not me. And I was really starting to question my capability for critical and analytical thinking. I really was. And as you know me, 
that's unheard of in my brain, right? So it was really, really affecting my well-being, my internal mindset as a confident person. It was undermining everything in my life, who I thought I was. So I was really struggling with that. And when you said, I'm seeing things as a series of experiments, this light bulb went off in my head. I almost sort of, the rest of the conversation, I was sort of half with you and half thinking, you read that. Correct. This light bulb went off in my head and it said, Kate, all of these have been experiments. All of these so-called failures you are seeing in your life have been experiments. You have been through an extremely traumatic change in life. It's obvious that you don't know what you want to do because this is brand new for you. This is a whole new way of thinking. This is a whole new, whole bunch of new opportunities. You can be anything and do anything you want to do now because you're not on that path you were before. That path, you know, there yeah. was a bomb in that path yeah. and you have now got to find a new path through the wilderness. There are no paths. Yeah. So actually changing that mindset was such a revelation to me and on a number of levels. So first of all, I stopped beating myself up that I was wrong mm -hmm. and that I was lost. There was a lot of self-talk in there that was not... It did not serve me. Yeah. So I changed that mental way of, of talking to myself around, you know, you are actually, instead of lost and not as great as you thought you were, actually you're quite brave. Yeah. So you are in the wilderness now. You're not traveling a path that is quite nicely graded yeah. and it's got a bit of gravel on it and all the rest of it you're you're chomping through i'm loving this yeah. analogy by well, the way one of um, my well it's interesting because one of my favorite quotes is from tolkien and it's a, a poem that he wrote and it's like not all that glitters is gold not all who wander are lost mm. <laughs> i love that it's like more wandering needed it doesn't mean that i'm lost it doesn't mean it's a problem that needs to be solved i'm just being curious because i think when we make plans going forward, we're making plans on based on what we already know. And if there needs to be a something new, then surely it shouldn't be based on what we already know. So how do we go find what's new? Well, it's true. And it's easy to say that now in retrospect and you look at it and you go, of course, Kate, but when you're in the middle of it, yeah, yeah. You're, you're stuck. So having that mindset changed allowed me to talk to myself better, feel better and be more excited by what was coming as well so again what I was doing I was I was exhausted about you know yeah. being on this wheel thinking oh, I'm going to fail again so you know I was actually far more excited and you used the word curiosity before curious about where I was going to go and also what happened then was instead of thinking right I'm going to have this major goal in a year's time and work back and plan from it and spend so much time planning and and finding the vision and the mission and the outcome, yep. I just thought, what if I do this? Let's just give it a go. Yep. There was no plan, Helen. Excellent. There was no plan. Yeah. Oh, I love there those was no what of questions. Well, there was no time that I spent planning. And yep. so if you don't invest hours and weeks in a plan that then doesn't come off, you're not so emotionally attached to it if it doesn't come off. Yeah. Also, Instead of being attached to the plan of ticking off the plan, I was actually attached to how I felt while I was Ooh, doing this. That's a big insight. Yeah, powerful. Huge insight because what happened was when I was so in tune to the emotion of actually doing it and being it and achieving what it was, I could then see 
what I was enjoying and what I wasn't enjoying. And then that opened up new opportunities and new paths. And like I said before, that I had so many opportunities now that it's a bit of a, a head, I want to say a rude word, but a different word for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blows the mind. Blows the mind. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and what I allow myself to do is just follow my emotions mm. rather than follow my plan. There's often mm. maybe a thought in work that we shouldn't be led by our emotions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, you know, we are workers. And yeah. one of the key takeaways at the end I want people to think about is we are humans who work. We are not workers who are humans. So we're not robots um, and mindless no. robots with no feelings or and, and then some of those emotions we can tap into with joy and whatever really release our right. creativity and actually feed our energies to actually keep doing the things we're doing. So we 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 want things like resilience. Well resilience comes from emotions. Exactly. And so I realized that actually bringing my emotions to my workscape was was very powerful for me. Mm. Now, I'll talk about some personal stuff that has transitioned into work stuff. So I decided that 2022 was going to be my year of fun. I turned 50 and decided, right, we're just going to do stuff that's fun this year. So, Oh, my goodness. Fancy thinking there should be fun in one's workscape. What a radical notion. I know, right? And so my plan was the definition of fun is doing something for the fun of it, not for the outcome. Right, which again, I was always very attached to the outcome. Well, fun can Um, be an outcome, but we just don't often think that it's an outcome we allow ourselves. It's meant to be sort of in an incidental byproduct rather than that is the main aim of the game. Exactly. So, you know, where I used to cycle and I think, oh, great, that's that's four hours of exercise and honing my body and that's awesome. You know, it was I'm on this beautiful rail trail, enjoying a lovely day, right? So that's the the change. But the two things that I did that were fascinating to me was I did hula hooping lessons and I did acting lessons. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. So I was the youngest in the class in the hula hooping lessons. It was fun. Look, I enjoyed it, and you know, you got to move your hips around and you know, move your body, etc. But at the end of the eight week class, I thought, yeah. I enjoyed it, but it hasn't spoken to me. Yeah, that's okay, right? That's fine. I was actually quite good at it, to be honest. I know. Good on you. <laughs> Even to... just having a moment of the day where you feel like I did something well. That's got value. Correct. Correct. But then I did acting classes, and I walked Ooh. into this acting class, and about 10 minutes into it, I thought, I'm home. This is wow. me. Wow. Had you done acting as a child or was this something so radical from left field? What led you to even think, let me even go to an acting class? Yeah. So, look, I'd done one drama class extracurricular when I was young and 16. And I had been chosen not as the lead, but as the understudy to the lead. And, you know, 16 year old kid thinking, well, I'm obviously rubbish because I'm the understudy rather than the lead. And I gave up. And I didn't right, do it again. Right, yeah. So there was never like a secret desire in your mind like, well, if everything else had kind of fallen, I might have gone down a path of being an actor when I was 16. I never wanted to be an actor because I always wanted a regular income. That was always something right. very important yeah. to me. However, I know I enjoy acting. I know I have known that my whole life, but I haven't acted. Right. So, yes. And I had, uh, I was doing a podcast at the time and we had interviewed a uh, a member of the Bo Morris Theatre Company. 
who also did adult acting classes. And I thought, oh, I'll just choice with her and see how I go. Isn't that um, an interesting way to actually find something? Because people might be thinking, oh, I should go on some training. What training should mm-hmm. I go on? And I would encourage a kind of rethinking and like, what can I expose myself to that I've never considered before? And I think, yeah, interviewing people or even like podcasts, there's so many life stories of people out there that you don't have to be thinking, oh, I'm looking to find out what exactly they did so I can do exactly the same. But it's just like, how can I expose myself to things I've never exposed myself to before? Well, exactly. And the thing about the acting class was then I loved it so much that I went for an audition and I won a lead role in a you know local theatre company and it did all of that. But what came out of that was an incredible confidence to be who I am and just, you know, live me as Express an authentic person. Express, correct. So, you know, at work... It was more of I had a, and I've never been a shrinking violet. However, at work, I was definitely more composed when I would speak to people. I would prepare more for meetings. You know how you prepare for a scene um, Mm. when you're acting? You think, oh, what does this character want out of this scene? What do they want to get at the end of the scene? thought about that in meetings and things you know what do I want about this but this really helped hone those skills well I think the big Um, change too because you being that planning person I would know you to be the person who'd prepare an agenda so it's not that you were never preparing for meetings (laughs) I think it was that you were preparing from a very different point of view of like who am I going to be in this meeting who am I going to show up as and how does that uh, connect with the other people there such that we make something together exactly and what has happened now as well in in the work that I'm doing is that with the experiment mindset on, when things come up and people say, hey, this needs to be done or that needs to be done and it's not within my general job remit or role, I think, am I interested in that? Do I want to do that? Do I want to try that? And I do and I have. And there are a number of things such as we now have a podcast for our agency. They never had one before, but I said, hey, I can do a podcast. I'll do it. Let's let's Brilliant. use my equipment and let's do it together. And so, you know, that has actually helped my agency, but it's also helped my workscape. So now that has actually made, you know, my life at work um, more interesting and fun and now has exposed me to talking to people, as you say, who I wouldn't have spoken to before um so that's been absolutely fantastic yeah and something that's come through from it as well is that especially we are recording around international women's day at the moment and there are studies upon studies that talk about women who self-select out of roles or things they can do because they will look at a a job description and think oh I can only do five out of ten of those things whereas a man will look at and go I can do five out of ten of those things I've got a shot which and I'm not saying it's a bad thing I'm going Mm. great but women tend to self-select out of that and so now there's some roles coming up where I had thought if you know six months ago if I looked at that role I would have thought oh no I can't do that but now Mm. I'm thinking hey, let's let's go for this. Let's yeah. look at that as an experiment and see where I can take this and if it's yeah. an interesting role and if I can make it my own as well. 
Well, what I would say with that too is it's like there's the five you can do. And in terms of the five that you can't, whereas other people might have felt that's daunting, I think the attitude that you already have from what I knew of you, but it's been maybe greatly amplified and strengthened is, and I'm going to figure those things out and that ain't going to be a problem, whether it's a series of experiments or being curious. I got those other five covered without necessary no, because I know I have that kind of meta skill to lean into and be curious and learn and, and find a way through it. Absolutely. And what I can do is bring evidence to this organization to say, whilst I don't have the skills now, this is my plan for, yeah. for finding out. Yeah. And this is the evidence of where I've done that type of thing before, yeah. where I didn't have the skills and where I've learned them. Brilliant. So, Brilliant. You know, great to have that evidence of I can pretty much apply myself to anything and yeah. get get it done. I, mean, I could even imagine a point where somebody might think, oh, so that hula hoop thing that Kate was talking about, that's irrelevant. And I think it's one of those things where you, I would actually use that sort of thing in a job interview saying, well, you know, you asked me if I tried anything new. Well, I recently thought, what the heck? I'd give hula hoop trying. And so I've, there's lessons I learned in terms of giving this thing a try where it might not be directly creating a skill because I'm not sure that hula hooping is going to really take on in the work. Great skill, thank you. But, but who knows? I mean, maybe that's a new team development thing. Uh, but I think there's some mess kind of learnings in it I knew what it was to try something outside my comfort zone and I could tell a story of what it was to go through that and learn along the way and work with people who I haven't worked with before you know the, the oh, as yeah. I said those types of people who were yeah. doing the hula hooping you know a lot of them had, had done a lot of dancing and you mm. know had these careers and these aspirations for doing other I found it fascinating that this was part of their their skill yeah. set and what they were doing and you know I found out that there's a whole hula hooping competition world out there and wow. there's different hula hooping sizes and you know that type of thing I can then apply to finance. Mm or something like that where it's it's not hula hooping but absolutely you can apply those concepts I had something a little bit like that for when I learned scuba diving it was about 15 years ago now and because some of the work that I do is teaching other people and it was really interesting to be in this place of being a student of something that I had no baseline experience in with these experienced people who in some cases were 10 or 15 years younger than me and were teaching Mm -hmm. me something that was very physical and that was so different from learning something quite conceptual and just my own frustration like they're doing it wrong. And then it's like, well, no, they've been taught the way to do it, but some of this is the way they have to do it because of the scuba association. So there was multiple levels going on for me, like be present, be here, be the student, note what is going on. And it was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. How did I feel when that happened or in doing that thing? I can take that and, and add that to expand my repertoire of how I teach something now because my teaching had been very limited to a kind of corporate office environment. And so some of the stuff that was going out in the physical world and in the sea and in the swimming pool with these scuba diving people just added something to my repertoire. And I think it it brings a depth and a richness to the kind of stuff you're doing too, whether it's And what I would encourage people is not to always think there has to be a direct connection between the thing you do and then it being at work. It's like, no, no, it just adds to a tapestry of richness of who you are as a person. Very much so. And who would have thought, you know, acting and hula hooping would have affected my career, but it has. And it's made me a happier person at home. So I'm happier when I go to work, but also less tolerant of being unhappy at work too. Nice. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, life's too short, Helen. Yeah. Well, here's <laughs> an interesting thing in being one of these people who's diversifying, because I think there's some great 
thinking around rather than thinking you've got to have a one path and one thing and that for me part of this notion about the experiment is I could have many things going on in my workscape simultaneously and that becomes a bit of a challenge where people are like but who are you and what are you as if you can't make up your mind and you're all over the place and it's like well who are you and in which context am I in and who do I show up but it creates that problem and I'm really curious what does your LinkedIn profile headline now say uh, about who you are and what you do? Or have you not resolved that issue? Because things like that kind of assume singular or that you have some kind of statement that wraps it up where it's like you get creative. I'm a creative performer working in the field and out of the field or something like that. Uh, so my LinkedIn profile does not reflect who I am. It's very flat and I do need to update it. And look, one thing that I haven't mentioned around my experience and my acting and stuff is that I now have a agent and oh. I'm doing paid TV commercials. So I now have an avenue of revenue and salary that is different to what I'm doing. Yeah. However, it's very hard to, I, I have a profile as an actor and yep. a voiceover artist, and then I have a profile as a digital transformation yep. and information manager. Yep. Never the twain shall meet, yep. to be honest. And I imagine they live in different worlds. Never the twain shall meet, necessarily even the relationships and this, the, yes. the villages that you have around that, that inspire you and feed you. Yes, and... Sometimes, though, they do sort of cross paths. Okay. And it's fascinating because, uh, you know, someone I worked with and, and did some consulting for, we, we really gelled as people. And now they are friends of mine. So they, they know about my TV commercials and things. And they have a friend who works at a creative studio and said, hey, can I introduce you to them? So, you know, Wonderful. where I started off as a consultant in information management for someone now they have made a connection for me at a creative studio so there is sometimes that mix of industries and worlds and it's it's fascinating to see where that comes from yeah well and you and I when we have done work that's been more of the change transformation management inside of organizations there has been a parts of it that have a kind of performative aspect to it and that where trying to get people excited about something inspired about something convey to them a change that's going on and it can have all the tragedy drama you know rom-com kind of things like certain people are in love with this and people who aren't and so I think there's probably a lot that implicitly comes across and that you already are bringing into these other environments and so my thought to I would say to listeners here is it's really a story about transferable skills and not thinking that something that you have is like, oh, so I had to have been a person that's been in front of a camera in a studio. It's like, well, maybe I'm being in front of an audience of people talking, but maybe it was on a podcast, not on a camera. You say these things differ in their form, but still that part of there's me showing up and expressing something of myself to an audience. And I think that's where you've got it there, expressing part of myself. And that's another sort of lesson I've learned through these experiments is the more that you tap into what you love and what you are good at, the more that you do grow into yourself and become confident in that. And mm. what that can be, you know, a lot of people say, oh, work on your weaknesses, et cetera. Well, that's boring and hard yeah. work, right? Yeah. And it'll it'll find you in a job that you don't actually enjoy. And, and an energy drain too. Correct. Correct. Again, life is too short. So 
when you do these experiments, whether they're workscape or, or mm. home workscape, it actually enables you to be who you are mm. and that authentic self. And there is a glow, there's a confidence about mm. you that comes from that. And people are attracted to that. Yeah, and the great so. thing about that, mm. being yourself, is that you attract the people who like the authentic you. So mm. you start to get some really cool people in your circle of influence and, and yeah. connection. And potentially some really cool conversations and opportunities to contribute into people's lives where, because I think sometimes people get really pigeonholed or other people pigeonhole and think, ah, Kate, she's the person you talk to about information management things. Oh, people who do information management are very analytical. They're not people who have a bit of a fun and a laugh. And I know you and I, in terms of that work, we've probably been on the fringe of the, the information management field anyway, because we are not one of those people who sits in a back room and is really concerned about making everything sure we got recorded in a system. Uh, this job that I have now, I had to write an application into. And in my cover letter, I wrote, I am the unicorn of information management. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> How'd it go down? Have you heard? Yeah, I got the job to this day. My boss said that was the line that sold it to me. Yeah. Because, again, you know, that, I, and I did tap into that general thinking around information managers and record managers yeah. right though the people well, have that a stereotype yeah. that we often have yes. which is where people get typecast when you think of like acting it's like oh yeah that's the bad guy the bad guy comes with these kind of characteristics and what surprises us in movies and plays is when like hang on that person did not go to type what exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and also I didn't want a job where they wanted someone like that either like mm. that stereotype so again in that cover letter that's me saying this is me so yeah. if you don't like me then I don't like you so yeah. you know, Brilliant. we this will not be a good meeting of the minds and there was one job I applied for that I never heard back from and I was tired yeah. and I was writing these applications and I was like oh god I have to write another one yeah. um and the company's name was a man's name. Now, I can't remember what it was, but let's just say Malcolm Price, right? right. So that was the company's name. Yeah. So I'm typing away and I write in a letter. I'm like, dear Malcolm, instead of the, the HR yeah. person. And I wrote it as if I'm writing to Malcolm the business rather than. Playful and dramatic of you was never, I, I think they just read it when oh, she's a freak and we don't want her but if they had read it and thought wow okay yeah. she's put some thought into this let's yeah. let's have her, let's have her in then maybe they might have been the type of organization yeah. I wanted to work for so, well, it's the yeah. kind of thing that would signal to me this person has is able to take risks this person's able to do something that might catch attention and that they understand that my attention is a precious thing so they're actually going to treat me with respect and give me something to capture my attention rather than just the boring thing that I've got from everything else this person has the possibility to maybe be inventive and creative we could probably use that in our workplace exactly and as I said it helped separate the wheat from the chaff in that back yeah. so they didn't want me but the people who I said I was a unicorn went right bring it on <laughs> So as we come to a close, I know that you have children who have, some who have entered their own workscape and some who might be. What is the advice that you are giving them or intend to give them about this insight you have about treating your workscape as a series of experiments? 
It is funny because I say this a lot to my older daughters. My son is 14, so not in the workplace yet, but the elder two are. And they constantly do this thing, which I sort of berate them for. And I tell them, a company will never show loyalty to you. You are a commodity to them. I don't care how well the organization treats you. If times were tough and they had to cut jobs, they will serve they will their interests. Correct. And I don't blame them. That is their job to be a business that makes money. So always treat yourself as the most important commodity in this situation, the most important person. Always make decisions around you. And, you know, there are times when you have to have a job for the money. I get that. And we've all been there and done that. But there are certain times when you can't tolerate Mm certain things and especially as women I teach them that but my my advice to them is after that you know yeah never show loyalty basically (laughs) um is that all I want for them is to be financially independent and happy Mm. however they achieve that I am supportive of within the realms of being legal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them to be drug runners yeah. or anything, but that's already accepted. So financially independent and happy. Mm. So they don't need to make a million dollars if they want to live in a little shack in Bali, right? So that's my absolute advice to them. Mm. And, you know, uh, both daughters have changed universities' degrees. I'm very happy with that because what I teach them as well is the fact that they are tuned into their emotions around, hey, I'm not enjoying this, Yeah, I think is a very mature thing. Absolutely. And a lot, a lot of people will say, oh, that's such a shame. What a disappointment. No, it's not. Yeah. They tried something. It didn't work. They didn't just stick with it. Yeah. And that's a huge they life lesson. for themselves. That's a really powerful Correct. skill. Huge life lesson, not just at work, but in, you know, personal relationships as yeah. well, right? Just because you're married for 10 years and, you know, he's he's been an awesome partner or anything, but something goes wrong and you're not happy, course correct. Don't just put up with it. So I think it's a huge valuable lesson for them that always be checking in with your emotions. And, you know, if something's not working, then explore how you can yeah. make it work. What I would add to that is being able to frame the story. And it partly comes mm. to that internal talk that you were talking at the beginning. If you were like, oh, that was a failure, it's a failure. It's like, okay, there may be a point where you're processing your emotions and it feels like that. Because often there will be people around you who will be doing that. And it's really difficult to kind of hold back that narrative and story. So it's about claiming the story for yourself. And part of that too, I would say is, Find the village of people that will let you claim that story for yourself and not actually encourage you to think in maybe a more status quo way of view because there are plenty of people. And it's not that they're being malicious. It's just simply that they have a particular view of the world and they're not ready to reframe it. They're not willing to recognize actually there are many stories that can be told about something. And so then it's sometimes you even need to practice that story with some safe people. So because it can feel like, oh, I'm just making this up or I'm telling a fob story around it. And it's like, no, 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 there's all, all stories are true. So can be true so find a story that works for you so then you can turn it into lessons I learned when I made this decision or whatever which even that has the ability to demonstrate oh you're a person who's capable of reflection you're a person who's capable of insight and looking back and taking things forward into the future etc 
Yes, and you're playing your curiosity and your bravery there as well. So you can change that narrative as well. So when people say, hey, why did you drop out of uni? Well, I didn't drop out. I made a strategic decision that wasn't working for me. I was unhappy. I was this, I was that. And now I've made the decision that I'm going to explore X, Y, and Z. can say that's a failure. Correct. Yeah, brilliant. Correct. Yeah. Kate, this has been a joy to speak to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me on, Helen. It's been lovely talking to you. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 